Hi, I'm Holly. <laughs> and I am Danielle. And you're listening to The Spooky Hour. Hi, friends. Welcome. Hey, everyone. Thanks for uh, listening and tuning in. As always, you guys are literally the heart and soul of this podcast. So we just wanted to say a quick thank you to everyone that tunes in every Monday during the week anytime who reaches out you guys are awesome um we do have something important we wanted to get into um it's been on the news all week so it's just something we feel we have a platform that and we can use it so we're going to use it and we're going to get into it yeah so uh we wanted to talk a little bit about the terrible news that's coming from both sides of the border over the last couple weeks and quite frankly the last decades like it's been going on forever uh the following people uh have recently been murdered uh ahmaud arbery brianna taylor and george floyd from our own hometown in toronto it's alleged that police murdered regis korchinski paquette as well um that has yet to be confirmed so we're saying allegedly for now but it's an awfully suspicious case um ahmaud was murdered for jogging down the street while black by two white men brianna and george were murdered for being black by police officers uh, while we're still waiting for more information on Regis's case, we do know the facts on the other three cases. All three victims were nonviolent, all three victims were innocent, and all three victims committed no crime. Brianna Taylor was asleep in her bed just moments before her murder. George was filmed just moments before his arrest complying with the police, despite their claims of him resisting arrest. Uh, there's a problem in our world, and that problem is racism. Whether it's a, quote, Karen threatening to call the police on a black guy for asking to put her dog on a leash, which she knew could lead to his death, or the president of the United States perpetuating violence with his, quote, looting leads to shooting bullshit. The base of it is always racism, plain and simple. Uh, our job is to now stop racism in his tracks. We have the privilege as white people to do so, and in fact, it's our duty to do so. Is your racist uncle making jokes again? Call his shit out. Do you see an employee at a store seemingly following a black person around? Call that shit out. Do you see police showing abuse of power? Call that shit out, but please do so safely and legally. Racism will not stop so long as we let casual racism slide. If you hear it or see it, call it out. Yeah, we are hoping for justice for all these victims and their families. So please call Gord Perks, High Park City Councilor, at 416-392-7919 to push for justice for Regis. Please call District Attorney Mike Freeman at 612-348-5550 to push for justice for George Floyd. And please call the Louisville Mayor's Office at 502 574 2003 to push for justice for Brianna Taylor. If you know any other numbers, emails, addresses, anything that we can share to push push for justice, please send us a message to let us know and we can put it on our platform. We want to get this information out. It is extremely important. It is. And at this point we have made a post. You'll be listening on Monday. So Friday we made a post with as much information as I could gather, uh, phone numbers, um, if you do some Googling, there's even examples of how to word things to representatives when you call, which I think is super helpful. We might be posting some of that over the weekend. But yeah, we just, we really wanted to speak up. It's a dark time for black people, to be honest. It's it's not easy for them. You shouldn't have to fear walking down the street. You know what I mean? You shouldn't yeah. have to fear the, the people who are supposed to keep our community safe. So we're going to do our best. If we see any racist crap, we're going to call it out. We're going to do our part. And we hope you do too. 
And as a community, we have to stand together. So we hope you guys can do your part, play your part, make your voice heard. Uh, The community needs you. The world needs you. And just be nice, civil human beings, but play, do your part. Everyone has a role to play and you have to speak out and you have to use your voice. And And like we said, do it safely and legally. We don't want you guys getting in trouble. Just be safe, be smart, and be vigilant. Exactly. (sighs) That feels good. That feels good. It's a lot. And we know that was a lot, but we feel it's very important to say something about it. We have a platform to do so, as we have said. And we love you guys. We love our listeners. And we hope that you guys take something from it. Yeah. Do something good with it. Um, but anyways, I can get into some spookies. (laughs) It feels weird going from serious to like our normal selves, but we got this. Here we are. (laughs) We're doing a full 180 for you guys. Danielle has a drink in hand. Holly does not because she's driving, but she put her water in a wine glass to feel important. Extra festive. Also referring to herself in the third person. If anyone's wondering how week 11 went. (laughs) It's been rough, but we'll get into some spookies. So what I'm talking about today It's like your typical haunted place, but I wanted to talk about it because it's freaking cool in my mind, so I hope you guys like it. Um, So we're going to talk about the Ottawa Jail Hostel. Why don't I know this? Ottawa? Uh, Yeah, Ottawa Jail Hostel. Okay. Um, So it was Ottawa's first jail, which opened up in 1842 in the basement of the city's courthouse. It was criticized for being in the basement, so in 1862, so 20 years later, a new jail was built next door and it served as Ottawa's main detention center. Oh. I'd just like to point out that I live in my basement and I'm kind of offended that they thought that I was unfit for a prison. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, this is the best prison ever. This is my home. (laughs) You're like, I'm just going to go down in my cave now. Bye-bye. <laughs> my jail, apparently. <laughs> um, so it housed people um, for being arrested for, like, petty theft to, like, murder. Um, so I'm just going to read out a quick list of things people did to serve time in this prison. And it's going to blow your mind, I think, because it blew my mind. So we have murder. We have cutting and wounding. Common assault. Aggravated assault. Shooting with intent. Attempt to commit suicide. Insane. Oh altering a note and drunk and disorderly this sounds like fun <laughs> it's very it's a very wide range yeah um so it was the main jail for almost more than 100 years and both men women and children served time in this prison oh weird all in this like same area like it was just one single jail and that's anyone weird could stay there yeah it's really crazy every every jail i feel like i talk about has some really fucked up background and isn't that why they're here isn't that why they're on the podcast <laughs> i mean true that's very true <laughs> Just throw me right under that bus, Holly. Thank you. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> um, so when it first opened up, it was considered like a model prison and it set the platform for other jails, yada, yada, yada. Um, so want to know why it made it like so amazing is because of like the design of its actual like cells. So they were designed so like a guard could like sit down the hall in like the far end mm-hmm. and there'll be like a prisoner in the other end of the hallway and if the prisoner were to talk you could hear it on the other end so like echoed yeah it had such bad echo that you could hear (laughs) everything so there was no like plotting to get out or anything exactly yeah isn't that crazy and that's why it's actually that's why it was a model prison that was pretty much the only reason why that's nuts any architect nerds in here (laughs) yeah tell us stuff because we have no idea 
<laughs> um, so the jail had a death row and people were executed inside the building. It eventually was shut down in 1972 and it was because of its inhumane conditions. Surprised. Um, you mean so children running around a prison with adults is inhumane? Right. So, so much for their model prison. Yeah. <laughs> so the prison didn't do much to rehabilitate the prisoners and inmates barely had anything to do. Most of them spent their time in their cells. These cells were like hella small. They're three feet by nine. So hella uncomfortable. Oh, wow. Yeah. They had no heating, lighting, or toilets, making them hella unsanitary. Wait. <laughs> yeah. And they were stuffed in like, if you Google a pic, I will obviously post a picture of one of the cell blocks, like the three by nines. But at one point they had like 150 people and they had 90 cell blocks. And so they just stuffed like multiple people in one cell block. <sighs> yeah. That sounds so gross. Right? Like, I, I can't even imagine. Well, all I'm thinking is like germs and disease right now. <laughs> right like it's disgusting it's gross no wonder it was shut down um so there is a book i don't know if it's like a book but it was written by a prison inspection register and it's his notes from when he like worked in the prison um so this is like a direct quote from one of his passages um and i quote reference has again to be made to the case of margaret dowry who owing to outrageous conduct has constantly to be kept under punishment being at this time tied to the cell door Although, properly speaking, the woman may not be insane, there can be no doubt she is fit for, she's a fit subject for an asylum, end quote. Oh. Yeah. So they locked this poor lady to the freaking door and was like, she's insane. I mean, I'd pretty, pretty upset if I was handcuffed to a door, tied to a door too. Mm -hmm. You can't blame her. No, not at all. But apparently like, um, I'm not sure if it was like in death row, but at some point like, prison inmates would be like naked like stripped naked and like tied to like the bottom of the door so they'd have to like lay on the ground completely naked as like a punishment that's so gross yeah it's disgusting um but now moving a little bit forward in time so it got shut down in 1972 so closed but now we have a hostel so hosteling international didn't even know that was a thing purchased the building (laughs) converting it into a hostel so the hostel opened up to travelers on august 2nd 1973 and prince philip the duke of edinburgh visited on opening day that's that's funny right with with camilla or (laughs) right (laughs) questions hmm shady (laughs) um long live princess diana that queen oh bless her heart right i will never get over that black dress that revenge dress just yes what sorry such a babe (laughs) right back to the spook yeah (laughs) at the time it cost two dollars for a bed for one night and additional nights were a dollar imagine spending that like imagine that now That'd be unreal. What are the prices now? Is it still open? Is it? I'll go there for three dollars. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's not that price, but it's way better than like a, an actual hotel. So I'll get into I'll settle. it. I'll settle. I'll settle. Um, so guests literally slept in unaltered jail cells. Oh. Um, yeah. Eventually, the first seven floors were renovated, and now you can choose from like a variety of rooms, such as like private rooms. Your tra- and you can have like a traditional like hostel dorm room. So there's like eight beds in like one room. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the building hasn't changed. So they still have like the massive wooden doors left from the prison. So like in the hallway and like in the basement, by the way, there's a bar in the basement. (laughs) Important, important, important note. (laughs) If you go there, go to the basement because there's a bar. (laughs) All of the hostel rooms still have the iron barred doors. So I don't know if I love that or hate that. Because, like, part of me is, like, that so feeds into whatever horror aesthetic you're about to get into. Right. But also, like, the privilege of, I'm going to go stay in a jail. You know what I mean? I want to do it. I want to go and stay. I do, too. But (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it feels a little weird that like people were tortured there and stuff and we're just like, let's stay there. <laughs> it's true. It really is true. <laughs> like, it's fine. I still want to do it. I just feel weird about it. <laughs> just bring your sage. You'll be okay. Exactly. <laughs> So, yeah, so the, the door's the same. Um, the stairs, like, leading up still have, like, that mesh, like, the suicide bars on them. Oh, fuck. So, yeah, so they had those on there so inmates wouldn't, like, jump over or, like, push, like, the guards over or whatever. Oh, that's dark. So those are still there. And the windows are still all barred. So it literally still looks like a jail. I except they, they knocked down some walls to make, like, private rooms. I'm just feeling so many things about this. I think it's so cool but also so bizarre at the same time. Right? Um. So obviously with everything that's going on it is very 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 much haunted yes very haunted see this is this is going to be like a short one it's not it's your typical haunting but i just found it we love it you can stay there you can literally stay there so that's freaking cool to me i don't know i was if the world stops ending we totes should because we wanted to go to kingston anyways (laughs) so i'm just going to talk about one a couple well one spirit that is said to haunt this place so um, so it's said that the prison's most notable inmate still haunts the halls. This is Patrick Whelan. It's either Whelan or Whalen. Again. I think it's Whalen because I think I've heard the name. It's spelled W-E-H-E-L-A-N. I think it's Whalen because the name sounds very familiar. Okay. We're going to go we're with gonna, that. We're going to go with it. <laughs> and if I'm wrong, it's Holly's fault. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> so he was accused of assassinating Thomas Darcy McGee in the 1860s. So McGee was considered one of like the fathers of confederation and was a close friend of like the prime minister so him being assassinated was like a huge deal and like finding out who did it was like top priority back to how much cops are fucking trash let me tell you (laughs) um so patrick whalen was pretty much convicted based on public opinion and not actual evidence oh another one of those yeah so no evidence against him at all um, so Patrick maintained his innocence until he was hung to death in 1869 in the prison. So he was Canada's last public execution. More than wow. 5,000 chances people. are he was innocent. Chances? Chances. Oops. Like high chances mm. this guy was innocent. This is why we don't like the death penalty. Yeah. They just wanted to get someone for killing this father of confederation. Mm-hmm. So they just pinned it on whoever was closest, basically. I didn't go too much into detail about that. That's another story. Um, (laughs) So more than 5,000 people watched him die, and he didn't die quickly. It took him up to seven minutes of hanging there for him to die. That's brutal. I would be pretty fucking pissed off, too, and come and haunt every human being. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd, like, memorize all of their faces in those seven minutes. (laughs) Right? Like, I'm coming after you and you. Yeah, exactly. And you, Karen. (laughs) Shade, shade. Um, So... Not only did they accuse him of something he probably didn't do and killed him in front of 5,000 people for seven minutes, um, he was also denied having his body buried with his family in Montreal. Aww. He ended up being buried in, buried in an unmarked grave in the courtyard of the prison. That's like how to make a spirit recipe right there. Right? You know what I mean? Like, reject their dying wishes and then put them in an unmarked grave. Yeah. It's just you might as well put a sign on the door that says "Haunt me." <laughs> You're invited, and this is how you do it. <laughs> Tips on how to get haunted. Yeah, just this. Be a, yeah, <laughs> be an asshole. So, people who have stayed here have said they've been woken up to see a man sitting at the end of their bed, and people think it's Patrick. 
his cell on death row is extremely active so you can't like sleep in death row but you can go visit like they have tours mm-hmm. um people have heard noises from his cell and have seen him actually walking out of the cell and around the hallways which i would shit myself literally <laughs> I've never actually seen, like, a physical, like, the only thing I've ever seen is that thing behind the mirror. I would actually love to see a physical person like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I've never seen a full spirit like that. So, the more you talk, the more I want to go. <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot of places and COVID is ruining everything for us. We basically just have to, as soon as COVID is over, we're going to go back through our episodes and make, like, a map and then just do a road trip. I am so down. Let's I am do it. so down. So um within within the hostel um doors slam at night even the ones that are locked so you'll hear a door slamming go up to it and it's wide open which is no thank you imagine hearing like the bar doors like just slam open and you're like no thank you those are heavy (laughs) right imagine like sleeping like you're in a nice deep sleep and you hear that i don't think i'd sleep in a place like that i can't sleep in the comfort of my own home you know what i mean (laughs) like yeah true so we're gonna go there and we are going to stay up the whole night we'll pull an all-nighter I can do that. I've done it before. I've done it multiple times. Um, people have heard sounds of like crying and screaming. So like people being tortured. Mm. Yeah. Some say it sounds like a, a child and like a woman. So these sounds are common um, to hear within the lounge. So when they renovated it, they made like this lounge area you can go to just to go hang out when you're in the hostel, um, which was originally the area that women and children would be placed. So creepy. Um, so there is apparently like a really aggressive and violent spirit in the building. Uh, apparently it's very active on the stairwell. So like, oh, like oh. try to trip you or like push you, but they don't is know that what, what happened it- to my mom. <laughs> Holly. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Listen, if you can't laugh at the pain. I know. True. <laughs> That's it. Sheila did not trip over her own feet. She got pushed by a ghost. There was a ghost. She pissed someone off in another life. Apparently. <laughs> Maybe it was Patrick. Who knows? <laughs> no, like that SpongeBob episode. No, this is Patrick. <laughs> this has gone so far off. Okay, okay I'm not even drunk. I haven't even. Oh, it's okay. That's, Let's it's, just keep going. It's been a week, guys. <laughs> um, so people can hear like faint whispers and like footsteps when no one is no one is there. Fans will turn off. So the, apparently, it gets like really hot. So they provide like fans. I mean, it's it's a jail. It's not going to be properly vented anyway. I was just gonna be like wow it's not air conditioned and then i thought about it oh god (laughs) holly i'm glad you thought about it though (laughs) i I need air conditioning at all times always and i'm sorry like people who are in prison don't still deserve to not be sweaty so (laughs) give them fucking ac it's fine um so fans will turn off lights will flicker that kind of creepy thing so you that's kind of like the lump sum of the spookiness um mm. so you can stay there now i think it's like 45 bucks a night so nothing like crazy that's not too bad no so they have a room that is like an authentic jail cell so you sleep in a three by nine cell with just a bed like it's literally two walls and then a bed that's all you get Ew. <laughs> and they have it and you can stay there and me and holly are gonna go there and stay in that authentic jail cell and we're gonna cuddle um danielle's gonna stay in the authentic jail cell i'll go to the chateau laurier that's, uh, <laughs> that's also haunted <laughs> that is also haunted it's haunted and also furnished <laughs> true <laughs> best of both worlds no, but that's cool i've never heard of that one and i've been to ottawa so many times yeah and when you're there you can go on tours so they do have tours um there's like a paranormal one and like a history one so it goes over all like the prison stuff mm-hmm um that sounds so bad like prison stuff that goes based <laughs> on the history and like the, the inmates history and what the there bull- you go the bullshit <laughs> they went through 
Um, so they take you on floors of the building that actually haven't been renovated. So it's okay. like very authentic jail. Like nothing's changed. So it's super spooky vibes. Yeah. Um, at one point I was reading, they had an offer where if you, you could stay on death row. So in a cell block and not, if you didn't leave in the middle of the night, you got your room for free, which oh, is really? like, Ooh, it's only $45, but like the experience would be unreal. It's the challenge. <laughs> no one has ever stayed a full night on death row. Really? Yeah. And they don't offer it anymore, which <sighs> sucks because if anyone in Ottawa is listening and you know, people that run this place, open it up for me and Holly because we will stay we'll there. We'll do it. I'm yeah. stubborn enough that I like, I don't sleep anyways. Like I will stay up there the whole night. You don't know yeah. me. <laughs> I will cry but I am stubborn enough to stay because yeah, I'm the one thing about me is I love being scared, but I take scared to like a whole new level. Like I will cry and like shake and be <laughs> petrified, but I will enjoy it at the same time. I'm it's just like weird. a very competitive person. And if someone challenges me to something, I feel like I have to do it. So if you're like, you cannot leave this jail cell or whatever the fuck the deal is, I would do it. Like, you know what I mean? Bitch, just watch me. how scared I am. I'm like, I can't pussy out. Like, this is it. Like, I think, I think it should do it just for us and it should open up. Cause that'd be fucking awesome. I'll be yeah, paid to stay there. at at Ottawa Hostel. Um, let us stay there. Yeah, but yeah, so that's the hostel, the Ottawa Jail Hostel. I believe it's called H I Ottawa Hostel. It's something they changed the name of it, but it's basically the Ottawa Jail Hostel. Hella freaking cool that you can stay there if you're ever in Ottawa. Go, go stay there. Go check it out. Yeah, and let, let us know. know all about it. Or if you have checked it out already, we have some. We have quite a few Canadian listeners. Mm-hmm. Let us know your stories. We'll drop our email at the end because I'm sure you guys are sick of hearing. <laughs> they have a bar there, so it's fine. Yeah. How can you, as long as you have a bar in a place, you're going to have a good time. Yeah. Sold. Danielle's sold. So I'm going. But yeah, that's little jail hostel. <laughs> Nothing super fancy this week, but. We love a classic spooky tale though. Yeah. True. It's a classic. True. All right. I guess it's uh, my turn. Um, so I know I said many, many times that I wasn't going to cover popular cases, but I really like this one, so she li- she here lied. we go. You can call her a liar. A lied. Uh, today I'm going to tell you all about the West Memphis Three. Oh, snap. You know this one. Everyone knows this one. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, it's a good one when I start with the trigger warning. Uh, this case involves horrendous crimes against and possibly committed by young people. Uh, listener discretion is advised. Young people instead of children. I don't know. <laughs> It's just a discretion. Uh, just beware. Just, it's it's gross. Um, so on May 5th, 1993, three young boys named Steve Branch, Christopher Byers, and Michael Moore from West Memphis, Arkansas, left their homes for a bike ride. The next day, their bodies were found in a secluded wooded area known as Robin Hood Hills. Uh, the boys had been stripped naked, tied up with their own shoelaces, violently beaten, and left in a muddy creek to die. Uh, Christopher's cause of death was from, quote, multiple injuries, and both Michael and Steve died from, quote, multiple injuries and drowning. Uh, According to uh, the local newspaper, the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, Christopher had a fractured skull and his genitals had been mutilated, which Mm. authorities believed was done by the killer in some sort of satanic ritual. Uh, The boys were all in the second grade and were only eight years old. What the actual... I don't know the details of this one, so I'm already ruined. Yeah, so as a baseline, uh, basically the community thinks this was like a satanic crime. Um, we're going to get into why they think that a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's it's a gross one. 
The the police had no real leads for over a month and public pressure began to grow. The community was rightfully outraged by the crime and the lack of suspects. They just wanted justice for these, you know, these poor little boys. Uh, they felt like the police weren't doing their due diligence. In come the West Memphis Three. Jason Baldwin, who was 16, Jesse Miss Kelly, who was 17, and Damian Eccles, who was 18. Uh, they would later be dubbed the West Memphis Three. They were considered outcasts in the community. Uh, they were known to wear all black and listen to heavy metal. So basically, they were me and Danielle. Uh, so Eccles was the suspected ringleader of the group. He had a history of psychiatric problems and violent outbursts, which was apparently uh, the only reason the investigators targeted him. Uh, this the community that they were in was considered part of the the Bible Belt in America, so they were, you know, very religious, mm-hmm. uh, very prim and proper at the time. Uh, so there were speculations that the killers may have been part of the satanic cult, as I had said before. And Eccles had expressed interest in the occult and in the Wicca religion, which is sometimes associated with witchcraft. Um, so obviously, he's given off very spooky vibes, and everyone's clutching their pearls at him. See, uh, I hate <laughs> that because, like, I know, like, I've met like Wiccan, like people who practice wicca is it not all like nature based it's like it's honestly a beautiful religion like it's just like you're just so zen all the time yeah all the time and for some reason they have associated it with satanism in this situation i don't quite get it because as as far as i know it's very like nature based and like you're one with you know the spirits around you and all that stuff it sounds lovely yeah you just like (laughs) put sage everywhere and you're yeah amazing but you know obviously that means you've killed three children um obviously so similar to last week's case the dna at the scene did not match any of the accused but they were brought in for questioning anyways also similar to last week's case police did get a confession from jesse miss kelly uh however miss kelly's attorney said that his client was quote mentally slow and had been manipulated into confessing uh, his confession had several inconsistencies, according to the Arkansas Times newspaper. And in a later appeal, Miss Kelly argued that he had an IQ of 72 and that his, quote, mental capacity rendered his confession involuntary. Uh, these were, uh, according to court documents that were obtained by Oxygen.com. Just wanted to quote a source there because it's from a literal court document. Okay. Um in other circumstantial evidence, a local woman claims she heard Eccles bragging about the murders, but later took back her story. So, why did you say the statement in the first place, bitch, if you retracted your statement? <laughs> My thought with that is that she she probably wanted to sound cool, and she's like, I heard the Satanist boy talking about it. You know what I mean? Like a very, quote, Karen move. You know what I mean? A like, very annoying human being. Yeah. Um, and then, like, I guess she realized, like, how heavy that weighed in court. And she was like, ooh, okay, so. Um, I That's lied. my thought on it. Uh, it hasn't been confirmed, but that's just, that's what, where I'm going with it. Yeah. Uh, so the boys were convicted in 1994, even though none of the evidence really pointed at them. Baldwin and Miss Kelly were sentenced to life in prison, while Eccles, who, again, was the, quote, ringleader, uh, he had been tried as an adult and was sentenced to death. <gasps> uh, I believe it was by lethal injection as well. So they still um, had the death penalty in Memphis at the time, I guess? Oh, gosh, yeah. Do they still have it? Do we know? Uh, I, I did not Google it. Um, I'm I'm going to assume it's still a Bible Belt state, so... Um, but I don't know. We'll fact check it. Um, so while the boys were in jail, flaws in the case slowly started making their way to the limelight. 
uh, starting at the crime scene, the bodies had been removed before the coroner arrived to determine the state of rigor mortis. Also, the coroner wasn't brought in until two hours after the bodies were discovered, which meant they had been exposed to sunlight and insects. Uh, on top of that, Miss uh, Miss Kelly's former attorney, Dan Stidham, uh, called the coroner's investigation, quote, extremely substandard. Uh, he discovered some of the physical evidence was stored in paper sacks purchased from a supermarket instead of actual evidence bags. Um, what? Yeah. Also, on the day of the murders, there was a report of a bloody man in the bathroom at a nearby restaurant, which was a lead that was never followed. Oh, he's so, fully bloody. It's fine. It wasn't him. Yeah. No one said anything. But, like, this, I guess someone called it in and they were just like, eh. <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> Which, i don't i don't yeah so um as these flaws started coming to the surface a, a buzz began to grow around the case hbo began filming a documentary called paradise Lost about the injustices in the case which brought forward even more messy police work um so during the production of paradise Lost part one john mark byers who was the adoptive father of victim christopher byers gave a knife to a cameraman named doug cooper who gave it over to the documentary crew uh, they had discovered the knife had blood on it, and they sent it to the West Memphis Police Department, and the, the knife underwent DNA analysis, which determined that the DNA matched Chris and John's blood type, uh, which is, so he was his adopted dad, and it ma- matched both of their blood types. Um, Wait, so th- this is one of the, the victims? The victim's adopted, adopted. father. Okay. So ha- gave this knife over to the documentary crew, and it had the victim and his adopted father's blood on it. i wish i saw her face right there so none of the people that were convicted oh i'm i'm not even remotely close to being done yet Hmm. um so yeah this brought up severe doubt in the conviction of the west memphis three i almost said westminster like the dog show (laughs) um in paradise lost part two a forensic scientist named brent turvey concluded that human bike marks could have been left on one of the victims the potential Potential bite marks were noticed in photographs years after the trials and were not inspected until years after the murders. Uh, The state eventually determined that there were no bite marks. I'm putting this in quotes. But further examination resolved that if these were, in fact, bite marks, they they didn't match any of the convicted men's teeth. So that's a bit of word vomit. Let me break it down a little bit simpler. So from what it sounds like, the bite marks were never properly inspected and documented. So they, they weren't properly preserved or anything. So they couldn't 100% say that they were in fact teeth marks. But if they were to be teeth marks, they didn't match any of these boys. What the fuck was this coroner doing? Not his, his job, job at all. Not like, at all. Um, so more failed autopsy work. There were cuts found inside the boy's mouth and there was a particularly large wound on Steve Branch's face that led the prosecution to believe that the victims were beaten savagely and tortured with knives by Eccles, Baldwin, and Miss Kelly. But years later, it came to life that the wounds were not caused by human hands or weapons, but were actually caused by wild animals in the Robin Hood Hills. Uh, so where their bodies were found. The boys were dumped in a creek in a wooded area, and until their bodies were found, they were preyed upon by wild animals, and most notably turtles, which sounds silly, but if you've ever been bitten by a turtle... Owie. Holy fuck. (laughs) Especially if it's snapping turtles. I didn't look into, like, the area that they're in, but snapping turtles are huge. Um, They can break bones. They can break bones, yeah. So, um, it sounds silly, but turtles will eat you alive. (laughs) And we're all, save the turtles. (laughs) We're gonna eat you alive. (laughs) 
Oh my I God. love turtles. Turtles are the best thing ever. It's- oh, but yeah, most most notably, I'm trying not to laugh during this part. Okay, serious again. Uh, most notably, the genital mutilation that was mentioned earlier. Um, so they thought originally that that was part of a satanic ritual, but um, it was speculated by this other uh, whoever redid the autopsy that it could have been caused by animals. Oh, okay. So unfortunately, that's what happened allegedly post mortem. And these uh, were, like, it had, to, I, like, it's three kids. I feel like it had to be more than one person. But that's the killer? Because, yeah. Well, the, yeah, it's it's a very, oof, girl. Mine's a long one this week. Just that's, but that But that's the thing. It's just, like, I'm just, like, kind of, like, jumping. It's kind of, like, you don't have to say anything, but, like, it's three kids, so you think it'd be more than one person, but it's also kids, so it could just be one person. My no, I see what you're saying. Yeah, because they're, they're, they're small, I guess. Yeah. Like, yeah, I see what you're saying. Um there's i i got some theories for you i'm ready for it don't worry <laughs> so a renowned forensic pathologist named dr werner spitz uh was hired by eccles's lawyers to examine evidence at the crime scene in 2007 dr spitz concluded that animal claw marks on the bodies were quote obvious and there was no way the injuries to christopher byers uh who was the poor boy who was mutilated uh could have been caused by a knife so obviously that would mean that so not to get graphic, but knife marks are usually quite smooth. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you don't usually see a hack job with a knife. So I'm guessing that when he says it's, quote, obvious, it means that it looked like a hack job. Yeah. That's my guess. Like, it's blatantly um, obvious that it was done by an animal and not yeah. a weapon. Yeah. Uh, I read a little bit more from this guy, and he was just, like, blown away at the messy autopsy work, apparently. Um, in 2007, the case was reopened after the discovery of new forensic evidence. Uh, there was a new statute that permitted post-conviction testing of DNA evidence. Um, so previously, if you got new DNA evidence, you were shit out of luck. But now that these, the statute passed, the boys had a chance. Um, so this led Eccles to file a petition. Uh, Eccles' lawyer stated that new DNA evidence proved that his client was not at the scene. Uh, DNA at the crime scene was tested again and again did not match Eccles, Baldwin, or Miss Kelly. However, a hair was found tied into the knots, uh, like on the shoelace that was used to tie up the boys. And it was deemed, quote, not inconsistent with, quote, which is a double negative, which means it was consistent with. I wanted to throw that in because of the, the wording. It leads into my further theory. Just hear me out. Um, so it was, quote, not inconsistent with, victim steve branch's stepfather terry hobbs another hair found on a tree stump near the crime scene was found to be consistent with the dna of david jake jacoby jacoby this guy (laughs) this dude (laughs) who was a friend (laughs) one day i'll learn to google the names before i start speaking one day we'll learn it eventually Uh, but it's today's not that day yeah so uh it matched the dna of mr david who was a friend of terry hobbs according to court documents uh this is Mm. now the second parent of one of the victims to have something sketchy about them come to light i am seeing a conspiracy theory coming on how did these Um, poor kids get convicted with no fucking evidence i don't get it well apparently the police didn't like these boys to begin with they'd never committed any crimes but just the fact that they were like into metal and dressed metal and they were like these guys are criminals and um, I read an article, apparently the, the lead investigator on the case, when he discovered these three boys' body, immediately said, well, it looks like Eccles finally killed someone, like, immediately. So, like, they had it out for these boys from the get-go. That's terrible. Simply because they like metal. Okie dokie. 
They should arrest me then. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah, literally. Um, so at this point in time, um, documentaries about the case itself had caught the attention of Hollywood. Celebrities such as Johnny Depp, Eddie Vedder, Henry Rollins, and the friggin' Dixie Chicks also joined the cause to raise awareness for the boys as they suffered behind bars. So this was getting huge. Um there was obviously a lot of pressure on the court and the uh, court finally ordered a new evidentiary hearing for Eccles, Baldwin, and Miss Kelly in the fall of 2010. The following year, lawyers that working long? for... Oh, girl. I think they, oh, uh, I think they served 18 years. I hate the justice um, system. I hate it. Yeah. Um, the following years, lawyers working for the West Memphis Three presented the new DNA test, which shows no link between them and the 1993 murders. Um, and then... The prosecutors offered the West Memphis Three a plea deal. This is where it gets kind of weird. So Baldwin, now 34, and Eccles and Miss Kelly, who are now 36, pleaded guilty to first and second degree murder charges while proclaiming their innocence, according to the New York Times. Uh, They were released on August 19th, 2011, after serving almost 18 years in prison. This is what's called an Alford plea, which leaves them legally responsible for the crime. So while they've been released from prison, they're still technically considered murderers. I have never heard of this before. I think it's so strange. Um, Again, this is already really long. So it stays on their record, but they're innocent. I didn't look too far into it, but I, I want to because, like can they get jobs can they you know what i mean do they have to live in certain neighborhods are they on like a sex offenders list now like what you know what i don't like about that weird to me that is the most ridiculous thing i've ever heard because one they're they're claiming their innocence two you convict they're still convicted murderers so they're innocent but they're convicted it's almost like it's like a like a pat on the back to the police to be like you can let them out but it's okay you still did a good job guys you got the back you know what i mean like it's it's like a bargaining chip at that point like you ruin these people's lives and i just i don't fucking get it like so they're innocent but they're guilty but they're yeah they're they're quote legally responsible that makes no it makes no sense but they're out so I don't know. It. I thought that was very, very strange. It was something I didn't know before doing this research, so it, it threw me off quite a bit. So they're, and you want to um, get the you want to get the person that actually did this. So they're just yeah, like, and like are they? Uh, I don't think they're bothering looking because of this. You know what I mean? Like, I'm pretty sure like this is a still, I mean, quote open case. Like it's closed because they're legally responsible, but it's open because they didn't do it. Like what the fuck? Makes no sense. <laughs> ah. <laughs> So yeah, the really weird thing that I had never heard of before. Um, so I'm going to end this with a little bit of a theory or several theories rather. Um, so there's a lot of strange behavior coming from most of the parents of the victims. And I have even more examples for you. Um, so the documentary West of Memphis, which was produced by Damien Eccles and Lord of the Rings director Peter Jackson, which is totally a nerd moment for me here. I think that's so fucking cool. I was going to say you're probably freaking out. Yeah, it premiered in 2012, and it focused on Terry Hobbs, who was the stepfather of Steve Branch as a suspect. Um, As I mentioned above, his DNA was found at the scene along with his pal David. So they focused on him as a suspect, which, you know, actually genuinely makes fucking sense. Yeah. Um, Another puzzling element to the case is the testimony of Dana Moore, who is the, the mother of victim Michael Moore. She testified under oath during the trial that she saw her son shortly after school ended at 3 p.m. on May 5th, 1993, which was the day they were murdered. She went on to say that her son was in and out of the house all day with Steve Branch, um, and she last saw them riding bicycles around 6 p.m. Uh, with 
Steve and uh, Christopher Byers. Dana Moore then testified that she sent her daughter Dawn Moore to go find her brother and bring him home around dinner time. Dana's testimony was sort of accepted by law enforcement and the public for 25 years because why would a mother lie about her murdered son? However, and why would she lie under oath? Because no one lies under oath. No one ever does that. Um, in early 2018, the daughter, Dawn Moore, appeared on the Truth and Justice podcast and completely contradicted her mother's testimony. Dawn, <laughs> Dawn, we love podcasts, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Dawn told host Bob Ruff that her mother was not even home after school that day and that Dana never sent her out uh, around dinner time to look for her brother. Dawn added that her mother didn't even cook dinner that night and insisted that the two of them went to dinner at a restaurant around 8 p.m. Dawn recalled that she last saw her brother and Steve Branch going into Robin Hood Hills sometimes after school, probably around 4 or 5 p.m., she said, uh, well before her mother Dana even returned home. Sketchy. I was just thinking about that. I just had a moment. I've had too much white claw, but I was like, that is messed up that she wrote yeah. her damn daughter into this. And obviously, if her daughter was a child at the time, she's most likely not going to speak out against her mother. You know yeah, what you I do mean? What like, your parents are told, like what your yeah, parents exactly, tell you. exactly. So very weird behavior on that front. Um, next is John Mark Byers, who again is the stepfather of victim Christopher Byers. Uh, he sort of became the official star of the Paradise Lost series due to his bizarre mm. behavior. Uh, his antics led him to be considered a prime suspect at one point, but he was ultimately exonerated by law enforcement. Um, he was uh, quoted as saying he like took an issue with how he's portrayed in the films. Uh, he accused the directors of quote taking advantage of his vulnerable mental state during filming uh buyer said he was usually drunk during filming and added quote i wasn't in my right mind i tried to stay on medicine and marijuana and they capitalized on that they set me up to look like the fool um so there's they don't go into too many details but apparently he was just acting not in the role of a mourning father i guess okay um which you know circumstantial evidence but when you put the other parental evidence behind it it's starting to get a little weird you're getting sketchy um, there bro not at all related to the parents but there is also an account from a witness that said they saw four boys enter the wood that day not three and i'm speaking about the eight-year-olds here that were murdered so they claim okay. to have seen four eight-year-olds um who was this fourth boy could he have been the killer um to this day as i said the case remains kind of sort of open the boys who are now men have been released but no one else has been charged with the murder of these poor boys uh this case is still super popular to this day and sort of has like a, a cult holly uh sorry a cult following because of the like big hollywood names behind it mm -hmm. uh actually the legendary hacker group anonymous also stepped in to try to get justice for the west memphis three in 2014 and even alleged that the police knew who the murderer was and was just covering it up um i love that group <laughs> yeah I love they're so that cool group. they're just everywhere at all times i know they're badass they're doing they're doing the justice personally i think that the parents are involved somehow mm -hmm. uh whether they were the satanists and sacrificed their boys or maybe uh one of their other kids was the fourth boy and they're trying to cover for his crimes either oh, way between that's the, a good that's a yeah, good theory yeah or like a cousin or something you know what i mean mm -hmm. either way between the dna the lies and the strange behaviors i'm seeing like a big red flashy pointy arrow pointing at them yeah that's just my theory on the case um like i said to this day it's still quote unsolved it just still yeah. baffles me that they are guilty but innocent but like at that point like, 
by law you should be trying to find the person who actually did this so if you're saying they're innocent but they're guilty at the same time that's contradicting everything it's, seems like lazy police work <laughs> hmm but yeah i'm leaning heavily towards the parents here it just there's so many strange behaviors coming from the parents and the the dna like come on how was that never looked into how was that never you know what i mean that's a huge thing too dna is like it's like make or break at that point and i'm pretty sure like to this day all of the parents are still saying that the the west memphis three are guilty which like obviously they're going to but like it's i don't know very weird case i love this case and i wanted to to get it share it with everybody it's it's a really fucked up case i didn't know the details of it and like it's definitely like the parents are just fucking weird like at that because you start questioning you're like why would you want to kill your kids what else is there another another interesting thing is um you know the two of the men mentioned were not biological parents yeah i thought that was interesting um not to say that like you know non-biological parents aren't great um i have a sort of stepmom lover to death but i think it's weird that you know the adopted father and the stepfather were the ones that had the main evidence against them yeah like how did their dna show up yeah very strange i maybe they you know didn't want these children anymore kind of thing i don't know speculation are they now i want to know are these people all still together like the like married and stuff Ooh, excellent question i feel like it's even more suspicious if they are still together yeah like what do you got to have bitch yeah because a lot of cases um when children are murdered the the couple usually separates because of like the grief and whatever mm-hmm. um I, there's a huge statistic mm-hmm. um i can't remember the exact number but it's a big st- statistic i got it right the first time and it couldn't do the same time <laughs> but yeah i just if if they're still together i would be even more suspicious yeah it's it's definitely a mess but up yeah case. that was that but if these these kids didn't actually do it they serve time for no fucking reason 18 years of it yeah and they're all still um they're all still uh heavily advocating their innocence um one of them actually has founded like an innocence project of some sort like a wrongful conviction project where he helps get wrongfully convicted people out of jail um eccles is still doing lots of film projects all based around wrongful convictions and stuff like that um i don't remember what the third guy was up to but these two i know are for sure at least heavily involved in in wrongful convictions and stuff like that which makes me think that they're innocent like why would they dedicate their whole lives to this they've obviously been very impacted by it yeah and of course like if if you're wrong wrongfully convicted and they go up to you and be like oh here's a plea deal where you'll get out of jail like right now but you have to like keep admit conviction yeah Yeah. what would you do in that situation be like i would want to get out of jail like i'm a libra (laughs) here we go i part of me wants to be like no i'd be strong and i'd be like no fuck you i'm innocent and just leave it mm-hmm. at that but i mean at that point it had been 18 years of prison yeah you know what i mean you can't blame them for taking that route and it would be different if they came out and were like we're doing some stupid bullshit but like these now men are clearly still protesting their innocence and doing it in ways of like making films and trying to help yeah, other trying, people yeah they're trying to make the world better which yeah doesn't really sound like a child killer to me yeah um take what, that as you will what would be the reason why like besides satanism is that the, that's no that was got? the whole thing that, that was all they got they were wiccas and liked metal music that was it 
the f- they must fucking hate me then. Yeah, literally. If you have any conspiracy theories on this case that you want to share with us, drop it in the comments of this post that we're going to post on Monday that you're going to see. Yeah. <laughs> and while we're here, we wanted to share something really fucking cool that happened to us because you guys are awesome. And, and not many great. good things happen to us. No. And Aaliyah, you are fucking awesome. We had this nice, lovely human being send us some fan art, which blew our minds. It's so cute. If you haven't seen it yet, it's on our Instagram, like maybe two or three posts back at this point, probably more like four posts back at this point. It is the cutest thing. She like nailed it. She got all my tattoos. Uh, she got Danielle's like horrified expression of me talking about dead babies or something like my expression this whole episode too. Yeah. She got my tea mug. It's so cute. I love it so much. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. You are adorable and we love you and thank you. And, but yeah, uh, if you want to send us art or even just say hello, you can hit us up on the interwebs. Yeah, we do have an Instagram. It's a spooky hour podcast. You can find us on Twitter at spooky hour. And if you have any creepy murdery stories i don't really know how to put it but if you have any personal stories that you'd like to share we are making an episode you can email them to us at the spooky hour podcast 666 at gmail.com holly put in a fancy little email button in our instagram so you can go Try find it there so yeah so thanks again for listening you guys and we appreciate you and we love you and uh that's it stay spooky stay the spookiest <laughs> Bye-bye. bye bye